Welcome to the Going Somewhere podcast, a podcast for anyone who finds themselves in the ambiguous adventure of young adulthood, a season marked by uncertainty, change, love, heartbreak, and a whole lot of big decisions. Sit down with me for some real and raw conversations with some incredible people as we dig into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in this beautiful yet complicated season of life. If this podcast helps you in any way, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with friends. Be sure to join the conversation on Instagram by following goingsomewhere.podcast. We're all going somewhere. We might as well go there together. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Going Somewhere podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend Dylan Warner. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. I think I think more than excited to be on a podcast. I'm just excited to be hanging out with you. I know. Uh, every every chance we get to just connect and chat and have a conversation, uh, I really love that. And so uh, this time we just get to do it with a couple of microphones and a camera. Uh, yeah, but excited well, to be joining with you. Let's not call it a camera. <laughs> it's a phone <laughs> that it, functions as a camera. Well, a phone is everything now. Yes, can, that's true. You know, they even have airplane mode so you can fly through the sky i heard yes that's exactly what that does it helps you fly <laughs> no i i agree that's actually one of my favorite things about the podcast is like i'm just having conversations with my friends and yeah yeah putting it out there and hoping that some people will listen and take something away from it but i know you know you're somebody that i've known for the last eight years or so and just have always been impressed with like the person you are and the character you have but also it's always just a good time to be <laughs> around you and as you may tell today, this is not the normal going somewhere setup. We are at Evangel Church in Bismarck. Uh, shout out to Evangel, Pastor Josh, letting us set up a little space. Remy, so my setup is pretty minimal. <laughs> like what I do is pretty, I, I went, to, I actually, so I use this little ring light right now. And I went to like Target and it is called like an influencer kit. <laughs> I was just going to say I, all the influencers have the the ring light. Yes. And so I went to Target and then the gal I was checking out and she's like, oh, you have a little movie star in the making in your home. And I was kind of like, yeah, it's, it's you're, me. You're actually looking at him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's me. The $20 ring light is going to really project me somewhere. But um, no, so I appreciate being able to be here today. But we got to know each other. You were in Fargo-Moorhead for a little while. So what brought you to Fargo-Moorhead and then brought you back to Bismarck? And what are you doing now? I just want to hear. Yeah, I mean, ended up there strictly because of school and um, didn't really even have a really great reason to to choose Fargo-Moorhead for myself. I All I really cared about uh, most, I think, was getting out of Bismarck. Okay. I, I grew up here and um, had never really lived anywhere else. And so I think for me, it was the idea of uh, hey, I want to continue pursuing edu- my education, um, but also I want to be somewhere new where I can, you know, uh, be a little bit more independent and just kind of start fresh in a way. And so that's what I ended up ended up going to Concordia in Moorhead. And then um, I had been had just started actually like coming to Evangel and engaging with some community okay. and developing relationships here right before I left. Uh, which I was actually ended up being pretty bummed about because I was like, oh, I, now I like met all these awesome people and have this great community. Right. Um, but I already decided that I'm like going to go somewhere else. And uh, way back when Pastor Josh was our young adults pastor. Yes. And so he told me, he's like, 
All right. Well, if you're if you're gonna leave and you're gonna go to Fargo Moorhead, uh, you at least have to promise me that you're gonna go to Chi Alpha. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I will do that. And so I ended up, you know, I was in Moorhead at Concordia, but always jumped over the river to yep. come to Chi Alpha at NDSU uh, and got into some awesome community there and got got to know you a little bit better. So yeah, yeah. When it was always like one of those things that when Dylan came over, it was always like yes, and you were in Coles. Small group, I believe, where you yeah. hung out with Cole Shabrensky. And um, and then I remember like, oh, man, this guy's so awesome. And then you're like, I'm going back. Like, <laughs> no, don't leave me. Yeah, Cole still gives me a hard time because I was, supposed to, no, I was supposed to lead a, a small group with him the next year. And I was like, hey, man, I'm not going to be here. That's right. And to this day, he still says that I left him for a girl in Bismarck, which is now is my that wife, true? Kendra. Yeah, okay. <laughs> But if I, it's true. It's okay. You know, I think he exaggerates a little bit. I wasn't just coming uh, for a girl, but she's a great girl. Yes. Uh, and we just happened to get married. So amazing. So how long have you guys been married? Yeah, we are coming up actually at the end of May here on our five year anniversary. Congrats. Which feels like a big step. I don't know. Yeah. Like the first four years definitely flew by, but five is, I don't know. It's just like a very solid number, you know? Yeah. It, it's real now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's real. Uh, so five years at the end of May, uh, and a lot's changed with that too. Cause we have two kids now. Yes. Uh, our son Maverick just turned three in March and then our daughter Amelia is, uh, about like 17 months now. Okay. So we're in the thick of parenting and that whole journey, which is a lot. <laughs> and oh. A lot of energy in a three-year-old so what what are your what are your kids like I mean every like our two are pretty different in a lot of ways so is that for you guys or what are you guys seeing in your kids yeah um they're they're so different um personality wise and just I mean it's been a totally new experience uh with both of them and so you know I, I think there's this the the idealist in me would want to think once you start parenting, like you have your first kid, you get a little experience under your belt, um, then you just kind of would know what to expect. Yeah. And the next time around, you know, just be way easier and you definitely learn things. But at the same time, uh, I think f at least for us, like our second child, like Millie is totally, totally different than Mav was. Okay. And so I think that uh, all of the exact same parenting tactics or just the approach and like learning to to parent and raise this child. Um, there's like so much nuance, I think, depending on their personality and, and who they are. And so Mav has always been he's lived up to his name because I think Maverick is yes. translates as like wild man. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, when you name a child like Maverick, you're just inviting yeah. you know, a little bit of wild into your life. Yeah. And it walked right through the door with us when we came back from the <laughs> hospital. And uh, he's always been like so high energy, yeah. always going and even just developmentally, like all of the physical milestones, like rolling over and crawling and yes. walking and running so early and um I think there's always been this thought of like, you could slow down <laughs> a little bit. And, and, uh, so he's so high energy, super rambunctious, but also, um, like very kind and super caring and just seeing that develop in him. Uh, he loves being a big brother and, uh, sometimes too much and his affection turns into like don't smother your sister or like, no, <laughs> you, you can, so much. yeah, you can yeah. hug her, but don't like, 
wrap your arms around her neck and give her a headlock. So he's he's amazing. And then, yeah, uh, Millie is much more calm and uh, has a very different demeanor about her where okay. she's, she's always been much more chill, probably a little bit lower maintenance just on the on the side of she's not always getting into something, but she has her moments, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, super, super, uh, smiley, uh, just has a ton of joy in her, even at this like very young age. So that's awesome. Uh, they're both incredible in, in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. Well, we're, you know, we're fast approaching. I mean, from when we're recording this, it, we're like probably a week away from baby number three. And yeah, people are asking me like, are you guys ready? And we're like, yes and no. I, we're getting some practical things ready, but I feel like when you have the two, we have two high energy kids. So Summit, like when he turned two, he we almost say like a before and after. Like he just like had new energy and he's very rambunctious and wild yeah. man too now. But <laughs> we're just like, they won't slow down. So adding a third in, you know, good thing I learned how to juggle when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel sometimes. But no, it's, it's so fun. Like I feel like I think everybody you know, young adulthood for me is hard to define. And I know you spent some time in a role as a young adult pastor, which I'd love to talk about, um, or that being part of your covering, but everybody's experience is so different. Everybody is mm-hmm. like, it's kind of call the season, but really it's very diverse and experience for everybody. Totally. And, you know, for some it's really marked by career marriage, but there's so much change that's happening like across the board um, change for good, change for the better, change that makes life easier, change that makes life harder. Like when you get a, a big boy paycheck or like an adult paycheck, yeah, that's like a change for the good. You're like, oh, <laughs> I don't have to just like scrape the barrel every week to get by. Like this is crazy. But then yeah. you have to learn how to manage that. And, how, and so it's just like so much happening in mm-hmm. such a short amount of time. But what has that experience been for you? Because you obviously, when you came back, you what you got married pretty early you started working at the church part-time you know all that so what has that kind of experience been like for you yeah I think I think you're totally right there's so much change that marks young adulthood and and yeah even you know being uh you know specifically in young adult ministry for a season it is even a hard it feels like a hard demographic to nail down in the sense that you know we like to in, in a lot of other areas, we kind of have hard markers of like age or, or grade, you know, for like right. kids or youth. High school. Yeah. Or youth, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Middle school, high school and things like that. And then young adulthood, you get there and, uh, you know, we always said like eight, 18 to 30 ish. Um, but it's so hard because I feel like young adulthood as a season is much more marked by um, like, yes, yeah, stage of life more than your age because depending on, you know, all of these different things that can come into play of, yeah, like career paths and uh, getting married or having kids and growing a family or or not doing that. Um, For a lot of different people, we engage those kind of life markers at very different points in time. And then that just uh, a lot of the time, I think, affects, you know, what your life looks like, where when I got you know, married. And and then especially once we had kids, you know, that's a a whole new level of commitment uh, and demand on your schedule and your time and attention 
where all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I, I can't uh, go hang out at my friend's house in his basement until 2 a.m., you know, five days out of the week because right. uh, I, you know, I just have like a low commitment level for for things um, compared to, yeah, being uh, responsible in my relationship with my wife, uh, and loving her well to the best of my ability and trying to raise kids, uh, in a God honoring and life giving way. Yeah. Um, like that just automatically changes your, your level of margin and kind of capacity for a lot of different things, I think. And, and then too, with it, you adjust, right? Because there's also not this sense of, um, Oh, I got married or I have kids now and my life is over. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which yeah, I think for sure. Maybe people worry about it sometimes and it, it's a drastic change, but you also learn to adjust and say, um, life hasn't stopped. And so what does like what is our new normal or what does it kind of look like to yeah. now live in this new context or with these new responsibilities and to try to steward those well? And when I think of all of that transition time. Like for me, I feel like it happened very quickly because, um, yeah, Kendra and I got married. Uh, and then all since, you know, since that time, like I said, we're coming up on five years, but we got married um, initially before we got married, I think planned on waiting a lot longer to have kids okay. and then, uh, you know, had that desire in our hearts earlier than expected. Yep. And so uh, now have two kids. Uh I think that Kendra and I, between us, we've probably, since we got married, been in like seven, eight, nine different <laughs> job roles, Yeah. Um, you know, where she had uh, switched and done a few different things. And I've transitioned multiple times in my role here at Evangel at the same church. Um, but just it, it felt like every single year, like there was something brand new happening. Uh, and we we bought our first house in there which was a big step yep. for us. We we actually closed on our home, uh, moved all of our stuff in. We slept in our house for one night. Kendra was pregnant with Mav at the time. We slept in our new house <laughs> for one night, and then she went into labor <laughs> the next morning. Yes. And uh, so it was like, oh my goodness, here we go. It's all, it, it felt like our, our we were two completely different people living completely different lives just overnight all of a sudden, you know, yeah. from... Uh, a young married couple in their apartment together for, <laughs> compared to we are now parents and homeowners yep. and what the heck are we doing <laughs> and trying to sort all of that out, I think. Um, and yeah, so it's just been consistent. Uh, like it feels like we've been in such a long time of change and transition until I, I think more recently, you know, it, it feels like things have probably normalized a yep. little bit. Um, and I think a lot of the time it felt like the question we were asking was like, okay, God, what now or what's next? And I think you always ask that question. Like yeah. you want to be a person who lives with vision uh, and in anticipation for what God is doing in and through your life. Um, but also I think that there was kind of this internal shift in dialogue of, yeah, like what's next or we're, what, yeah, how, how do we get to the next thing versus wow, a lot has changed, uh, and maybe now we're finding a little bit more stability. And so, God, how do we take what you have given us and and where we're at and steward that well yeah, and take care sure. of that? And and I think that's where, you know, a lot of the 
the things with parenting and how do we steward our children and yeah, stewarding finances and a home and there's there's a lot there um, and so uh, just trying to to seek that out and do that well I think is kind of has been a big theme and a big kind of shift through a lot of seasons of transition and change. When I think too, when there's transition and change, you know, when things are moving around you a lot, like you need to have greater stability at the core, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, for, for us, that's been so true in the last three, four years, there's been so many things that have changed, but for us, like to live by a set of core values, to, to live by a set of things that really are like the bedrock and obviously starting with Jesus, you know, I think that's something that I like to share with people and young adults is that there will be a lot of change. And, and I think it's easy to compare to other people's stages and timelines and all those things. And if we can Mm -hmm. eliminate some of that comparison, but just recognize like the more sturdy, the foundation, the more stable, the ground we'll be able to handle those changes. We'll be able to handle the, the adjustments or the expectations that aren't what we maybe thought they would be. Um, and so, yeah, for us, it's like developing a strong, um, filter that we're able to filter decisions through filter moves through, you know, I think there was a time for us with, um, like just moving, we were in New Jersey for a while and there came a point where we had to elevate through the filter, like our family and, Mm-hmm. the stability of our family and the the life of our family and you know especially with Taylor um too of just how we were in New Jersey during covid and all those things so just having that strong sense of value and and filter for your family do you guys feel like you have that like those values that you kind of filter life through and if you do what are some of them <laughs> yeah i think that um you know i don't know that we we don't have like a defined um, it's not on a poster in your kitchen. Yeah. Like not on the, not on a vision board or something like that. I don't think, but I, I think that it's been a, yeah, there's been a constant development of, yeah. What, what does that look like? Um, because it can be so easy for, uh, for family and our relationships together, I think to get lost in the mix and the whirlwind of just everything going on in life. And um, I think, you know, especially for me and being in pastoral ministry, it's something that I try to be just always cognizant of because, um, you know, there's there can be a lot of blurred lines of like, you know, where does ministry and, and work begin and, and end and uh, how do you have good and healthy boundaries and and the reality too is like ministry doesn't end. <laughs> yeah. And I think that so often, you know, the question of like balance gets brought up of like, how do you balance things well? And, um, I feel like balance is kind of a bit of a myth in in a way, or it feels, I don't know, because, because it feels like as soon as you figure it out, then again, you're like, yeah, something changes and, oh, uh, life feels really balanced. And now we're introducing a third child. And so that, that throws a ton of things, uh, off. And, and so, uh, for for us, I think it's constantly like, yeah, how do we how are we on the same page and how do we live life together? And yeah. for like ministry, like what does it look like to do ministry uh, together versus how do I yeah how do I balance family and ministry? Um, how, how does our family do ministry? And I think that informs 
uh, a lot of that. And it's a question that we're still even figuring out in a lot of ways. And again, like I've been in a new position almost <laughs> feels like every year. And so yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, what, what is, what does this mean for us and what does it look like? Um, but I think recognizing the reality when you talk about like values or what, what's important to your family. Um, I think there's this recognition that home is the first, you know, missions field and yep. to recognize that it, it doesn't really matter uh, how well, you know, we feel like we're doing uh, in ministry or, you know, how much I'm killing it in my job. Um, if when I go home at the end of the day, my family is not in a place of health, uh, if our family, you know, if our kids are not being uh, loved and discipled yeah. uh, and cared for well, you know, if I'm doing that in in another setting, in another context, but failing to do that first at home, then I think like we're totally just missing the mark. Um, and so I think always trying to trying to think with the mindset of beginning at home, like yeah, what are the values that we are embodying um, and and living out there and letting that overflow into all of these other areas? I think is an important thing. Yeah. Bob Goff has this quote that I have always loved and it's like, why do we call everything ministry? Let's just call it Tuesday. You know, it's just kind of that (laughs) that. that idea of like, we've put kind of like a terminology and I think that it's important and it's necessary, but like just that gap between like a person living their life for Christ and then vocationally or you know, we, we so oftentimes attach like the, the job or the place we serve as our ministry mm. when his thing is just like, what if it's just Tuesday? Like, that's just your life. It's the overflow of what's happening inside of you. And I think, again, that's easier to verbalize than it is to like embody and live out. Yeah. But that's kind of something that we've aimed for is that ministry, quote unquote, would just be the way that we live our life. And mm-hmm. I think the closer we get to that, not that it's perfect or not that we figured it out, but the closer we get to just our overflow of our walks with Jesus Hmm. being life-giving ministry, it's, it's been easier for us to navigate that as a couple, as a family, because, you know, for us, like one of the big things is just, I mean, we have our boundaries, but like open door policy. Like we always say we eat dinner seven nights a week. It's no harder to, to make spaghetti for one other person or two other people. So why not just open that, you know, we had somebody over and it was just like chaos in our home. Like (laughs) Taylor thought I was going to get home from work earlier and I didn't. And so like there was things scattered on the ground. And I think a year or two ago, we would have, we would have been like insecure or we would have been like, Oh, this ruined the night or like we'd have been angry at each other. And then we've just kind of said, no, we're just inviting people into the life that already is not calling it anything else, just calling it friendship, calling it loving people, calling it just doing life with others. And so for us, it's been big. And mm-hmm. I think one of those things for us that we've elevated when it comes to values is community, is doing yeah. life with other people. And I know that's something that's important to you guys as well. So how does that play into it? And, and what do you see? I think that's one of the greatest needs for mm-hmm. young adults is community. Yeah. And so what do you see in that? Yeah, I mean, I love what you say there too, because um, you know we've definitely felt that <laughs> that pressure or that feeling too of like, oh, to have people in our home, it needs to like 
you know, be all perfect and put together, which is um, the furthest thing from a reflection of reality living with a toddler (laughs) and a one-year-old, you know, it's like, uh, it just feels stressful to like even try to get to that place. And, um, and I actually think there's so much power in being able to invite people into the reality of your life rather than this kind of preferred picture of, you know, what, what we want it to look like. Yeah. And, even though in our own sense of kind of idealism and perspective, uh, there's this thought, right, of like, well, this this preferred picture is much better. Or, you know, if I if I was, you know, because we think about it from the perspective of the other of the other person, what are they going to think? Yeah. Uh, and and what they actually want in reality is not uh, this perfectly put together, you know, uh, magazine <laughs> home when they show up. Uh, but actually what is most drawing and enticing to people, I think, is uh, an authentic view of what your life looks like. Yes. Because otherwise, I think if we're trying to present the the opposite of that or something different, you know, eventually, one, for, for us, it becomes exhausting yep. <laughs> to try to maintain that. Um, or it becomes debilitating to community because it is like, well, yeah, we can't engage community or relationship if, if everything is not perfectly put together. Um, and so then what, what it turns into is just a withdrawal, uh, and a removal from it and like, okay, well, we'll just, you know, we can engage it, uh, every once in a blue moon, which I think is not, is not what we want to pursue. And so, yeah, just being able to, to invite people into, this is the reality, uh, of my life. Like this is what the home (laughs) of a parent with a toddler looks like. And it, it sometimes it looks like chaos, but uh, people want authentic community and relationship. And the beauty in that, too, is that I think when uh, when we give ourselves permission to present that authentic picture, um, it also gives other people permission to be themselves authentically that yes. I don't I don't have to pretend to be something else or, wow, you really have your stuff together. I, I better play the part, too. And it opens the door for, uh, I think an intimacy and relationship that, that is powerful and real, uh, and that allows people to really experience life and grow together. Um, is kind of what I think of, you know, that, that what is the picture that you're presenting? Yeah. <clears throat> when you also think just when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, you know, they're like, that story has always stood out to me because, you know, of course God, had them leave the garden. Like they broke that mm-hmm. relationship, that, that limit that God had put for their sake, for their good. And it caused a divide. And that's what sin does obviously in our lives. But the thing that always stands out to me is that that's the moment that they realized they were naked. That was the moment that they decided to hide. And, you know, God comes out and says, where are you? And it's not because his GPS was broken. It was just because yeah he wanted them to admit and to acknowledge the distance that was apart. He wanted to ad- them to admit. And, you know, it says that they sewed or that God sewed them together, but they hid themselves and they covered themselves. And I think that's, we, we project this fake self because we want to, when we're flawed, we oftentimes want to cover that up. Mm-hmm. But in true, authentic Christ-centered community, there is no hiding. There is no... Yeah there is no place to cover. And, and so to recognize that as quickly as we can and to, to be authentic. And that doesn't mean 
think some people can interpret that sometimes as like, you know, I'm a bad guy, but it's just the way I am, you know, but to admit <laughs> yeah. like the flaws, the brokenness, the gap and the need for Jesus, and then work towards that in community with other people. And that's where like life on life, like life to the fullest really happens in my opinion is yeah. when we present our authentic broken selves to other people and to God. And then together as a group, we pray together. We love each other as is not, not trying to project ourselves as somebody else to impress them to, I mean, that's stress. Like that's, that's how like, for me, that's stress to feel like I need to be put together. And we've mm. been there in ministry. Yeah. And that was something that we really had to work through in our ministry journey together was Taylor felt like she had to fit a role in like ministry as a pastor's wife. And now we're just at this point of like freedom, you know, yeah. and working towards that place even mm -hmm. more. Yeah. And that even makes me think of um, kind of this topic in conversation. I, and I can't remember where this is even from, but this idea of, because, you know, I think culturally right now, um, it's really rare for people to have that, you know, be embedded in a context of real authentic community uh, where you know other people and are known by other people beyond just like this surface level. Yeah. And, and uh, looking at the difference between, I think so much of, what we see right now or kind of this even picture at times of, oh yeah, like having community or having relationships and friends in life is this difference in picture between like entertaining and an actual practice of hospitality. Yes. Um, like a lot of the times what we see, you know, and even like, I, I think you look at movies and TV shows and stuff like yep. a lot of what community looks like is, is entertaining. Like we're entertaining for the night and having people over and, you know, we've got hors d'oeuvres and light jazz playing in the yes. background and it's all very social and, I mean, that's how our house and is wonderful night, and fun. No. Yeah. Like, you know, just a, a classic Tuesday at the Warner household. <laughs> it's just Tuesday. It's just life. It's just, it's just who we are. We're just, you know, jazz enthusiasts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and so, this difference between entertaining and hospitality where when, when what you're doing is entertaining, uh, what kind of is happening. And I, I would say a lot of time it's like subconscious, right. Of, uh, entertaining you could say is that people, the aim of it is almost that people walk away from their time with you, uh, or in your house and feel better about you. Like, yeah. Oh man. Aren't those guys just the best? And, I want to be like them and, right. <laughs> um, you know, like that, that people walk away with thinking, wow, I hope their mind is blown by again, this like preferred picture of, I just hope that they think we're awesome yep. <laughs> versus hospitality. Uh, it's totally reverse where the, the end goal or what happens is that people walk away feeling better about themselves. It's right. not, I hope they feel better about us. It's, I hope that someone leaves our house or leaves time and community with us feeling better about themselves, like feeling more full uh, and and joyful and at peace. And right. that it's a it's an aim at, you know, uh, a care for the other and not crafting an image of ourselves. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, yeah, like you said, entertainment and not that it's bad. Like, I think people are designed to like to bring in to make a, an event feel like 
wow. And there's a time and place for it. But yeah, I think it is about the person oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. about how I look and, and what they think of me where, yeah, like you said, hospitality is about the other person. And I think that's a, it, it can be a fine line. And I think like Taylor and I talk about it too, of like, yeah, it's probably okay for us to put the laundry away, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but like that can also become a bigger picture is like, there's a level of like, okay, there are fingerprints along the wall to the bathroom where we have the kids wash their hands. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> let's clean that up, you know? But at the same time, I think it translates to faith journeys too, because not that I put any blame on anybody in my life at all, but I feel like there's a lot of times that spiritual authority, it almost made it look so easy to them. And then Mm. it was hard for me, like to spend time with Jesus and to, to carve that time out or to like the idea of the quiet time, it sounded so easy and so like effortless. And then when it wasn't for me, I was discouraged. I would compare, I would really like beat myself up because I'm like, why can't I hear God speak to me? Why can't I get anything out of the Bible? And then when I have learned like, no, it's, it's not that way. It's, it's a fight, you know, to, and that's where God speaks is when we persevere. It's, it's when God, you know, moves in our life when we, get desperate and, and all those things. And, but that wasn't always the picture that was just painted. And I think that's just media in itself and, and things like that mm-hmm. where nothing can replace community. And I think obviously through COVID, we saw that yeah. like, time and time again. I mean, we were doing zoom calls <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on Sundays just to be together, just to like have a group of guys. I know it didn't happen like a ton, but even just to like talk about a book and just yep. hang out, pray together, whatever the case was, and I think we've grown sometimes in culture, society, like content with surface level, content with distance. Mm-hmm. I, I think I read something like the average person has like two, what they would call close friends and like a large percentage of people would say they have zero close friends. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's scary to me. Like that's scary to me because what community means, you mm-hmm. know, and what it can produce in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that is such a hard thing. Like you bring up, um, yeah, what I would call um, like supplements to community. Thing, things like, because we live in a world of social media and like we're more, yeah, we're more connected than ever before, but so many people feel more lonely than ever before. And so it feels like the math doesn't add up. Like how can we have, uh, you know, all of these social networks, like we should be social people and um, have all this connectedness and yet feel like, well, I'm, I'm all alone or I, yeah, I have literally no close friends, but a list of, you know, however many hundred or thousand, uh, friends on Facebook. And, and I think that it's important to recognize, like, there are things that like you brought up, I love that we have the option to do a a zoom call as people living in different cities, um, yeah. and at that time, I think like different states yeah, across mean, we the, like, right. 27 hours away. You know? Yeah. And, and so like, I never want to, um, I feel like it can begin to sound like, like bashing on social media or whatever. Right. Yeah, and yeah. they're always like, I love social media. Uh, I love my, <laughs> I love my iPhone. Like the, the, the opportunity that those things present to be connected with people and stay in touch. And, um, all of that is like really, really incredible. I think. Um, the problem lies in, I think that when we take things like that, that are meant to be 
supplementary to community and we allow them to become a substitute. And so now it is uh, not just that, you know, I have Facebook and keep up with friends there kind of thing, but it's like that, that is my source of community yes. or like, so there's just a lack outside of these places where, you know, there's actually an authentic embeddedness in relationship with other people that we get to do life alongside. Yeah. Uh, and we become, I think really, like you said, or like you brought up, um, just content with the, the supplements and substituting them in. And the problem is that they make a really poor substitute because they lack so much of what community is meant to have and meant to embody. And I think that, I think that we probably even, I think the sad thing is that we often recognize it like that. I don't think we would say that it's the same thing. Um, but that, yeah, we become perhaps content with it because it's just easier. And I think that when you look at a lot of the avenues uh, for, you know, community or kind of this pseudo community that serves as a stand-in, um, what's attractive about it is that it requires very little of us. <laughs> yes. And so it's low commitment. You know, if, I, if I'm upset with you or I disagree with you on something, uh, I can just, you know, take you off my newsfeed or unfriend you or whatever it is, like the unfollow so that yeah, yeah. I'd, I'm not seeing your stuff, but I don't want you to know that I'm not seeing your stuff. <laughs> right. So if um, we bump into each other, it's all good, you know. Yeah. Or like, and, and so there's that aspect of there's very, there's very little required of us. Like we can just kind of engage or disengage at whatever level we'd like. And on top of that, then you get, um, you know, kind of the the echo chamber that's created of everything I'm seeing is kind of just stuff that I agree with. Maybe if I disagree with it, you know, I can just battle it out in the comment section with someone who I'm not really seeing a, a, a person and a face that's attached yeah. to them. I'm just, you know, seeing a, a profile on a website uh, that, you know, I would, I would, I don't think I do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm too much of a harmony person, but I think what, you know, right. What we have to see is like, people will say stuff, in a comment section that they would never say uh, in a setting, you know, face to face like this or sitting down right. for coffee at a table. It's just like, uh, it's crazy what will come out in those moments. Um, but yeah, the, it's, it's this place where um, I really don't have to sacrifice for the relationships that I'm in, or I don't have to give much of myself and I can just go and, and take what I feel like I need versus I think the reality of uh, authentic community. And, and for me, I think I'm, I'm really thinking in terms of spiritual community and Christian community that as people following Jesus, we're meant to be rooted and established in that, yeah. that uh, in our faith journey, we actually miss so much of what we're supposed to experience in formation and discipleship when we're pursuing that journey outside of community, like outside of that context, because you'll even, I think, you know, we've probably all heard people be like, well, do I really like, do I need to go to church? Like, I don't, I don't have to go to church to follow Jesus. And it's like, yeah, Jesus is not, uh, he, he's not, you know, captive in the church building, um, like this reality that we have access to God wherever we are, that he is uh, with us, uh, that we live as temples of the Holy Spirit, uh, but also this reality that just because we have access to God outside of community does not mean 
that that is supposed to be the the primary context in which we grow in our faith, like that we just are off kind of on an island, um, but that actually we are the body of Christ, that we're in community. And when we're in that space uh, and doing it in a, in a real way, I think that it opens up the door for it's it's a very different it's a very different thing because now it's not just that you come and very little is required of you and you can you can kind of do the same thing with like church like you can attend and like pop in right after worship starts and then pop out uh, like right at the close of the message kind of response time and yep. kind of get in get out with with low commitment without really being you know you're you're in church but you're not embedded in the community of the church um, but when we are in you know real authentic Christian community together, what then I think is held in that space is actual opportunity and in room and space and invitation to practice things like, um, which this is not the the ideal picture that we get of it. Like we, I think we picture Christian community as, uh, well, we we all love Jesus and we should love each other, and so. Um, there's kind of, there shouldn't be any conflict and it should all be really easy. And, you know, we just kind of step into it and everyone's best friends. We'll sing Kumbaya around the campfire and that kind of thing. But, but again, the reality of Christian community is that there are opportunities and invitations into, uh, what the Bible tells us as, you know, opportunities for forgiving one another, uh, which means we're first going to wrong one another, Yeah, (laughs) that there's going to be conflict, that there's going to be opportunity to uh, joyfully celebrate with one another, but also bear one another's burdens. Yeah. And and there are challenging things that come with an authentic expression of community uh, that fall outside of our ideal picture, or fall outside of what we maybe um, on the surface think that we desire, but that are actually right at the core of what we what we need, that we need those things in our formation, that we need those things uh, in our faith walk and in our journey with Jesus, that uh, if we are not in community, we don't even have the opportunity really um, to practice love. <laughs> like, yeah. that you, you, you cannot love outside of community. Um, and even God himself is love, and we see that God exists even before creation uh, in community as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so even in who God is, there's this expression of uh, design for community, that we are designed for community, and that we need those things. Um, And it's those components of, I think, that that are difficult yet formative and purifying and rewarding when pursued and engaged that we totally miss out on uh, when we just settle for the substitutes, you know? Yeah. That's so good. And I feel like real and authentic community is not easy, you it's know? It's not. <laughs> and because community, when it's all boiled down, it's love, you know? And that doesn't mean it's always, like you said, kumbaya, but love is slow churned. (laughs) Love is something that is developed through intentionality, through sacrifice. Like that's really, if you look at the cross as your definition of love and you look at Christ as your definition of love, um, then you have to look through the lens of the sacrifice and effort and intentionality Mm -hmm. that was required to produce that. And I think that's the thing is like, 
at base level, online communication, social media, it's still passing of information. There's so much that's missed in that and mm -hmm. so much that we refrain from in that that can only be exchanged face to face. Like I think of this, we had early on in our marriage, we walked through a kind of a family thing on Taylor's side. Her mom was sick and there was some stuff that was really scary for us. And we told some friends and we got a lot of text messages and by no means were we like, Hey, that was bad. You know, yeah, we yeah. got a lot of text messages, but then we had to knock on the door and it was Ryan and Ashley ham. And they came in, met us at the door with a hug, sat on the couch, cried with Taylor, cried with us, just held us. And we felt so loved, hmm. you know, there was, there's been other situations, well, them in particular, but other friends. And that even became me like, it's easy for me to send a text of encouragement. It's easy for me to send a text saying, you know, have a great day or if, consoling somebody that's going through something difficult, yeah. but to actually show up or even call or whatever, obviously just the action of it is, but also just the fact that you did it shows love in a, in a different way. And I think that'll always be more difficult than the alternative, but yeah. it's just like eating. It's harder to cook and prepare a healthy <laughs> like meal with good ingredients than it is to just go to the store or go to Taco Bell and you know, mm -hmm. whatever, but it's better for you. And th there's no shortcuts to love. There's no shortcuts to authentic community yet. It doesn't mean that it's not valuable to us. It doesn't mean that it's not good for us. I mean, thinking of working out, like I would love to just, yeah, I, I saw this thing. It was like, a, it was like the ab hancer. It was what it was called. <laughs> It essentially looked like a, you know, like a six, a can, like the, the plastic wrap, you know, that has yeah. like the Coke cans in it or whatever. Uh -huh. And it was just like, you just put that on your body and then you just like <laughs> press it in and it looks like a six pack. And it's like, that's great. I would love that. But you're not actually getting the, the health benefits from that. Like it takes intentionality, consistency, yep. showing up when you don't want to, showing up when it's difficult, showing up when it's the last thing you want to do yet God puts all that together and we can never have that shortcut to that. Yeah. We can't have an app answer community or an app answer love. <laughs> right. You just can't. Yeah. I, I think that's so good. I, I love, I'm going to have that image just stuck in my have mind. Have you ever seen it? I'll, I, I, uh, we'll, we'll look at it after I'll, I'll put it up in the, in the video. I was going to say, I've seen episode. the ones that are like, just like kind of the electrodes that like stick to oh, your yeah. muscles or whatever. It's like, it's like flexing your muscles. It's like working out. It's like not the same thing. You're not going right. to get, uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's spot on. I love that. Love, love is slow churned. You said, um, and yeah, it's like my no, ice cream. Yeah. Just like the ice cream. There's no, there's no shortcut. And, um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's harder. And so to be committed to that, uh, more than we are committed to ease of relationship or, uh, ease of community, I think is such an important thing. And like even you brought up, you know, you recognize in experiencing that you recognize the difference. Like you, you experience that, that shift and that change to, um, wow, there's actually like this, this closeness and this care and this reception of love that is like, you just can't get from, somewhere else or something else or some other avenue. Um, I love that. 
Yeah, I mean, again, at the baseline, love, it's about golf, but love does. You know, <laughs> it, it, it shows up and it, it, it's present, you know, and, and I think that's the thing that I think especially like our generation and young adults will always have to battle is the idea that it's easy to, to kind of play along with the norms. Um, but is it life giving? Is it what God desires for our lives? Is it producing the life? And I think like, I want to be a part of a community that is a lot of fun, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have a good time, but I also want to be a part of a community that when there's conflict, the natural is to address it face to face and it's to not harbor those things and, and to hold on to those things, but to come to the person and have that conversation. Like, it's not just all like, yeah, our community is so great. Like we just play games all the time and we, you know, we prepare meals and show up at houses with meals. And it's like, no, we show up at a house because something was said, something was done that doesn't sit well. I'm going to talk it out with this person with the, end goal of love, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I remember, you know, when I was in elementary school, our neighbors, their names were the Kramers. And if you walked through their backyard, you shaved off a good, like four minutes from the walk to school every day. (laughs) And so we would do that. And we would just kind of walk along our fence on their side. And we would hop this little like fence and go through another neighbor's house and we get to school. Well, one day I came and I walked the normal way, but there was a cop standing in the driveway and he asked where I lived and all these things. I thought I was going to jail. You know, I was like at that age where I was like, Oh my goodness. And he talked about how the grass is being trampled down the flowers are being destroyed and like all these things. Yeah. And it's like, as much as shortcuts are awesome, (laughs) they just, you just can't, it's not, somebody's hurting. Some, something's not in order. Somebody's going to jail. (laughs) But, but I just think, that's the thing is we have to fight for it. We have to like set our hearts and set our minds towards it and desire it and pursue it. Lastly, just kind of wrapping that up and wrapping our conversation up. But if there's somebody out there, that's maybe like, how do I do it? What would you, what would you say? Like, what would your advice be to somebody that's saying like, how do I get started in that and pursuing that? Yeah. I mean, I think that there are a couple dynamics at play. Like one, I think that there there does need to be that like personal commitment to community um, because there it's like a double-edged sword in a way, I think. Um, you know, in, in the church even, there can be times where, so like for me, part of my role as our Connections pastor is like I want to, I want to help foster and create opportunities for community for community to happen uh, yeah. in the context of we call them connect groups, small groups, whatever, um, to to create opportunity for that. And so um, we're constantly seeking out, like, yeah, how can we initiate um, and engage and like lead the way in creating those opportunities? And we always want to do that to the very best of our ability. Um, and there are also times I think where you know, in, in whatever context, where where people can feel like man, like I just, I don't have community and, you know, it just feels like, it feels like there's not opportunity or, um, yeah, like people, like nobody's approaching me. And so that's why I don't have friends or I don't have community. And I think that uh, on the one hand, um, there is also 
this this sense in which if we want to have life-giving community that we should be committed to being a catalyst for that and actually being like creating community rather than just waiting for it to fall into our lap um and so i think that can be a challenge when it's like well i just don't have community when's it going to come and i think that there should be an active participation in um i am i'm seeking that out and engaging like yeah literally talking to people or or reaching out hey you want to grab coffee or get together sometime or want to come over to my place and there's there's an opportunity to be uh actively engaging that um but that also there is reality of like if it can be feel really difficult where where do i start or who do i ask or what does that look like and so i think uh, another important thing is just to be like as you're committed to that as you seek it out and pursue it, I think you, you know, and you be the friend that you want to have, right? Yeah. Like you, you be that person to others, uh, and, and you'll also find that in them, I think. Uh, but then there, it's also important, like, be be committed to it in the sense that um, that you're open and available. I think sometimes we're just, you know the excuses that we're too busy for community <laughs> and people are busy and we've all got a lot of things going on. Um, but again, it's like, what is, what is the thing that you're committed to and what are you prioritizing? And so for some people, it might be that there are actually some other things that need to be put on the back burner or, you know, changed in the list of priorities to say, you know, these are all, these are good things, but maybe they're displacing um, life-giving community that, ultimately like if i want to flourish i can't really live without like i need to pursue that be open to it be be available and i love um i think about like people that have been impactful for me uh in terms of like being community or being being uh, an authentic friend to me um i just think it's been a lot of people that have been available um that it's it's people who i, I think about a time with when going back to my time, like coming into young adults, uh, ex experiencing, not, not doing young adult ministry, but just yeah. being a young adult, uh, and walking into this place where it's like, okay, there are a lot of people here. Uh, I want community and I want to be in relationship. And what's that like, how's that going to play out? And I remember pastor Josh for me was uh, a huge part of like, he totally took me under his wing and like, you know, sought ways to help me find community. Um, and I remember like one time he just invited me. He said, Hey, I have to go pick up a, a lazy boy recliner from the furniture store. Do you want to come with me? Right. <laughs> you don't need, he doesn't need you for that. Yeah. He doesn't need me for it. It's not like anything spectacular. It is like, it's Tuesday or whatever. It's life. Like I yeah. am living life. Um, and I can invite other people into what is happening, even if it's as mundane as picking up furniture. Yep. And as a young, as a young adult guy, 18 years old or whatever, who was just like hungry for and desiring community and desiring relationship, uh, I was like, I would love nothing more than to go, go get like, it. yes, I yeah. want to go pick up furniture with you uh, because... Because again, what's desired is not necessarily this spectacular experience or yeah. groundbreaking thing. It is uh, an authentic experience of life with another, and so it can be, 
it can be as easy as taking things that you're already doing or, or things that are already happening in your life and invite other people into that, like invite people into that space. And uh, I think that what we often find is because because we're, we're designed for and have a desire for community, um, if we just if we just open up doors, like people will walk through them. Yeah. People say yes to opportunities, but um, so often it just feels like there's not an invitation there to begin with. And so uh, be, be an inviter into community, uh, be an available person and, and be open and be committed to it again. Like when, when it gets hard, uh, don't disengage or withdraw, but be committed to uh, the reality of community. And I think in doing so we find, uh, a lot of that life, a lot of that growth, um, a lot of love that we get to to yeah. give and receive and experience with other people. Yeah, that's. I think so much of it's awareness. You know, it's when you give that to other people, they don't realize they have that need because they're just unaware of that need. And I think if you're listening to this, this is a, a heads up of just be honest with the need that you have for community and do whatever it takes to pursue that. You yeah. Know? Um, question we always ask if you were to give advice to 20 year old Dylan, what would it be? So there's this thing called Bitcoin and you should (laughs) (laughs) buy it. No. Um, yeah, I think advice to, to 20 year old me, um, That's such a hard question. Which for you isn't even that long ago, you know? Six years? Yeah. Six years ago? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think, so this is, yeah, maybe not directly tied to the community conversation, but uh, at the same time, somewhat, you could say, I think just, you know, be, uh, be present to the season that you're in. I think just reflecting on young adulthood, like we talked about, there's so much change, there's so much transition. And, um, and I think oftentimes in getting caught up in all of that, we can really, we can really miss the opportunities to be present to where we're at, um, and appreciate where we're at and enjoy, enjoy life. Yeah. Um, and thank God for it, you know, because we're always looking ahead to the next thing, but uh, the only place that we get to live is right now in the present moment. And, and I just think, you know, as, as young adults too, we can place a lot of pressure on ourselves of, you know, yep. try, trying to, to make sure that everything, you know, that we're getting everything sorted and getting things right. And we're making big decisions. And, um, and, and a lot of it is it's like decisions that will change parts of the trajectory of your life. Um, and so it, that can be, you know, stressful for people at times. And, and it's just, I think it's a weird thing because looking back now, I think in, in hindsight, after you walk through that season, you know, you look at yourself and, and I'd be like, uh, yeah, you're not, you're not nearly as busy as you think you are. <laughs> like, like you have a lot of freedom in yeah, life right now. Sure. Like you have a lot of, of margin and stuff. Uh, but like, don't get, don't get stressed out and don't take yourself too seriously and, and allow yourself to be present and enjoy where you're at and make the most of it. Um, and through that too, I think that then you, you experience a lot of those things. You experience community, you experience the relationships that are around you. Um, and you're more, you're more present to those things. And so I would just say that, like, uh, be present 
don't take where you're at for granted um, because it's not a season that you're in for a, a long time, you know? It's good. Dylan, this is great. I always appreciate my conversations with you and just getting to hang out with you. And, you know, you're just such a incredible leader and I've just seen you grow so much and it's been fun to kind of from afar almost, you know, I mean, three hours isn't that far, but <laughs> from afar to see what God's done in your life. And, you know, I always think of first Timothy four. it says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in life and faith and love and speech and impurity. And I just think you do such a great job of that. Like you're not intimidated by the fact that you've from an early age have been asked to lead people that are much older than you. And I just think you do so with grace. And so it's awesome. I appreciate you and just care a lot about you. You're awesome. Thanks, man. I, I also just want to say, um, because I think a lot of the nature of what we were, what we've been talking about and just discussing, you know, uh, which has been so fun. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like you are someone who embodies so much of this. You know, I think I've, I think I have a lot of growth <laughs> to be had in, in a lot of these things. And, um, I think about the ways that I've seen you, you know, engage relationship with people. I think that you're, you're one of those opportunity makers, someone who I've seen over and over again, like invite people into relationship and into community. I think that you really, really do that well. It's one of the things that makes it easy to, to talk with you, to, to sit down and I'm like, I could just do this all day because I could just talk to Steven. <laughs> um, and I think that, I think that you embody just so much of what we've talked about. And I, I admire you for that. And I look up to you in that. Um, and so you just, you just love people really well, man. Uh, and I'm thankful for, you know, the, the friendship that we get to have, but also know that there are so many people around you and in life that, uh, have benefited from and continue to be recipients of, uh, I think a love that is, that is slow churned, uh, that's deliberate, <laughs> that's not taking shortcuts. I really mean that. So, uh, yeah, you're killing it, man. Well, appreciate that. And thanks for everybody that just got to be a part of that moment <laughs> but no we thanks for listening you know this podcast has been a journey and it continues to get better and better for me um so if you're listening share it with your friends do what all those things can do to help other people experience this and we just appreciate you we'll see you again next week and again thanks for being a part of the podcast and being my friend love you man yeah, thanks for having me love you absolutely awesome sweet Woo. It's a wrap. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Going Somewhere podcast. I enjoyed my conversation with Dylan and he just adds value to everybody that he spends time with and I have been the benefactor of that over the years. He has such an incredible insight on building community, maintaining community, and developing real and authentic community where people can show up as they are and be loved and find belonging. One of the keys that he talked about in this episode is that in order to create that, we have to be that. We have to allow people to see us in the real, raw, and authentic state that we truly are. Not the preferred picture, not the preferred image that we tend to project, whether that be through social media or just through cleaning up our life before people can actually see it. There's freedom to living that way. There's freedom to being who I am and allowing people to see it, flaws and all. And that's where true depth in relationship comes from. When we can look at each other with flaws 
just flung in our face and say, I love you still. I'm going to choose to love you. I'm going to fight through conflict and work through the conflict in order to get to know you better and to leave loving this person that's in front of me. So that's the challenge for you this week. Think about the relationships in your life, in your life, or maybe even think of the lack of relationships in your life. How can you develop those deeper level relationships in your life? So I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you don't already, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review, tell people about it, invite them in to listen along with you. Again, thank you to Evangel Church in Bismarck, North Dakota for hosting us today and allowing this conversation to take place in their beautiful studio. Um, And so I just appreciate Pastor Josh, Remy, everybody that opened the doors there for us to do this. And as always, appreciate Northview Church for allowing this to be a resource of the church for its people, but also to send it out to the world. And so wherever you're listening from, we love you. We appreciate you. Have a great week and we'll see you next week.